The Boundless Pursuit Podcast is proudly sponsored by Built Wild DNA. Fuel your day on the water in a constructive and healthy way. Energy and fitness supplements designed with the outdoorsman in mind. Get your physicality in line with your mentality and maximize your time on the water. Use promo code BOUNDLESSPURSUIT for 10% off of your next order at BuiltWildDNA.com. Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. Today's guest is my buddy, Joe Dahl of Minnesota, and he's another one of these motivated nomadic wanderers with a rod and a reel. And if you haven't noticed by now, these are my favorite kind of anglers, the species hunters, the guys that might be found with a car jam-packed full of rods and fishing gear looking for the next bite, looking for the next species. And Joe is just much more my speed. He's a very well-rounded angler that stays low-key and self-motivated. This is not a guy that's out there trying to become Insta-famous. And I just think he's one of those people that is clearly in it for the purity of the sport and fishing for all the right reasons. And a look through his catches and you'll see anything from flatheads to drum, sharks, bowfin, buffalo, moon-eye. You'll see fish like salmon, sturgeon, uh, monster fish like alligator gar, snakeheads, Red Horse Suckers, Walleye, just to name a few. It's just a guy that's got his head down and he's grinding and enjoying the process of just fishing. So we take time during this conversation just to cover some of his various exploits, driving all over the country, trying to catch different kinds of fish. And I appreciate variety. We all should. And this is just a great conversation Why we delve into why you should too. This is Joe Dahl. All right. Well, Joe Dahl. What's going on? It's good to actually talk to you in sort of person, still through a screen, but I've been following your stuff for a while, so it's good to actually chat with you. How's it been going? It's been good. Where are you at now? Are you in Minnesota? Is that It looks like Minnesota's home for you. Yeah, I'm currently in uh, Minnesota, just in suburbs of uh, Minneapolis. I got to ask. I got to ask where you're at because every time I like get on your page, it looks like you're somewhere else. Like you're like the consummate like uh, journeyman angler. Like every time I look at you, like you're you're down in Texas, you're over in Florida, you're up, you're like you're like ice fishing one day, and then your your toes are in the sand the next day. I'm like, man, this this dude freaking gets around, he gets after it. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It's it's funny when I saw that you're from Minnesota. I'm like, it makes sense. I don't know what it is about Minnesota, but it seems like that state spawns more like. I don't know if you want to say like rough fish guys, but like, you know, just, just like species hunters than any other state. I'm like, is there something in the water? Like what, what the hell is that about? Oh. 
Yeah, it could be. Um, <clears throat> the Rough Fish website, since uh, the creators of it are from Minnesota and mm -hmm. then just kind of branched out. And I think and it was like early 2000. So it got a lot of people uh, kind of on the Rough Fish train. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's kind of what I stumbled into. Um, probably like 2013 or 14. I've always been into like different rough fish and everything and like catfish kind of and um happened to work with someone named ben herb and he got me in okay um, i know ben yeah, yeah. <laughs> we right out of high school at a fishing store so we uh we're both like you like other fish than walleye and bass in minnesota and we're like yeah so we like clicked instantly <laughs> and we were out cat fishing and like doing the weird stuff like that and then um we uh he kind of got me on the life listing for different species and kind of got me in the loop on like red horse and everything so since like 2013 14 i've been kind of adding up different lifeless species it's not always my main focus for fishing mm -hmm. but i would like to add a few here and there um especially like the minnesota ones yeah the species hunting thing is always kind of like a satisfying quest if you're like if you get to that point in your fishing where like you need objectives and you need like I don't know, structure or like a, you need like a goal. That's always a good one because it's an endless journey. There's no way you're going to catch them all, but it's a kind of a fun thing to to see the number go up and keep track of it. But, um, you know, you mentioned the Rough Fish website. Uh, did you get on this? Like, are, are you know, you actually been on the website? You, you, you getting into that group? Um, yeah, I have. I've been on the website for like a while and I added some of my species uh, at first when I was on there and then it kind of dwindled and I didn't really add them. I just added them on Facebook since that was mostly people I knew. And, uh, some, I don't think I really chimed in too much on the website. I used it more as like, uh, um, point of reference to kind of look yeah. at different species and like habitat, to uh, tactics and all that. So they have like a really good log of, uh, just fish encyclopedia stuff for all the information you need on the non-traditional stuff. And uh, yeah, it's a good resource to go off of. Yeah, roughfish.com. That is an interesting one. And actually, I want to get Andy, the you know, one of the webmasters of that site on this program. We tried a couple of times, can't can't quite seal the deal. But I found that mm -hmm. website, I think I want to say it was 2002, like when I was like 13 years old. And uh man, I it's it's so weird. It's like, especially back then during the forum days when you didn't have social media websites and things like that so you only had the forums like it was especially back in that day like the ultimate resource of information for like different species of fish and like i got on there now i was like the only out-of-state guy that was like getting on there but i i agree with your point like they had put in a lot of effort to like make that be like the resource for like information for species that you'd find and, and i'd say even today a lot of their like species identification and just like just like fact sheets that they have are probably some of the best you'll find on the internet. So you know their forums have slowed down a lot, which is you know that's just the nature of where we're at with the internet nowadays. But it's funny you mentioned that. I I figured if you're a multi-species guy in Minnesota, you've probably run across the Rough Fish crew. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely a cool group. I went to the Rough Fish Roundup one year on the oh. river there. So I did a little bit of that and met up with a few people that I knew from there. And uh, yeah, that's a fun time. Um, it seems like it's kind of shifted though. Like I said, I've used the website 
to get information from, but then a lot of it's on like Facebook now too. Yep, yep. So it's so easy just to take a picture and do that instead of like logging mm-hmm. and doing form style stuff when it's a uh, few click clicks away on your phone to yeah. do the same thing almost. But he's, it's just not archived really. So it's kind of like a cluster when the website's a little bit more organized. So it's kind yeah. of like, here's some stuff on the uh, Facebook page and then maybe do some research on the website. Yeah, you'll probably get a quicker answer if you like post on the Facebook page like a question. But yeah, their information pages on their website are great. It's kind of sad to see it slow down a little bit. But what are you going to do? I mean, I I remember when, uh, you know, it was like their sister sites or they were like kind of like, you know, they're all grouped together. You had roughfish.com, the Bowfin Anglers group, and then like Gar Anglers Sporting Society. They were like the three. They were like the trio of websites that I used to get on then. Slowly, the Bofin site went down and the Gar site went down, but Roughfish is still hanging on. But, you know, I, you're, you being one of the multi-species guys, I feel like there's a certain mindset that we multi-species people have that, like, I don't know if it's, like, the way that you were your whole life or or what, but just kind of give me, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the, the quick the quick 411 or rundown on, like, when you began fishing – Cause I feel like we all kind of start the same way. And then at some point the curiosity like tips us towards that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, did like, did you, were you going with your dad? Were you just going on your own? Like how did you kind of find yourself at the water's edge? Yeah. So like you mentioned with uh, Minnesota being like huge into fishing, uh, I kind of come from just like a long line of fishermen uh, like in my family. So like my great grandpa um, he was a native Minnesota angler and then he passed it down to my grandpa and then my grandpa passed it on to my dad and then my dad down to me. So I've been fishing since I was literally unable to walk and my dad bring me down to like docks around, uh, where we lived and just fish for like sunfish, you know what I mean? The gateway mm-hmm. fish and then yeah. kind of slowly <laughs> progress from there. But I remember just going to like my grandpa's house and he had some of his dad's like musky rods there. And they were just like these old antique like rods that were like stiff as a broom. And I remember seeing them and I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like my great grandpa fished for musky and uh, <laughs> it was kind of intriguing. So kind of started from there. And then um, just uh, did a lot of like crappie fishing and typical Minnesota stuff growing up. And then it kind of did uh, with like bycatch stuff where I would end up being like oh this is awesome like we would fish the mississippi river a lot and uh whether catching like white bass or um like catfish and stuff like that but i think the thing that really got me was uh pike kind of intrigued my fishing uh like spark i guess this like their aggressiveness and their teeth and was this just something different that i was like wow this is great like people love the uh, bass and walleye and pike some people do but a lot of people frown upon them and i'm like how can you get mad when you catch a fish yeah. that's like aggressive fights hard and just is this an overall uh cool fish so i kind of started going from there and just figuring out like lures and like habitat and different uh stuff and that was when i was like 10 years old probably yeah and <laughs> and then um then when i was about 11 or 12 I accidentally caught a bowfin and when we were crappie fishing and then (laughs) then I was like that did it even more so I was like oh man there's fish out there that are like pike but um 
just like undesired, but still awesome, like in their own way. Yeah. Like that. So those kind of stories are always funny to me because I feel like if you can just encounter the fish before you ever hear about them, like you're good, you're golden, you're set. But you know, mm -hmm. I, because without fail, there's always like the negative people that, that will come in and be like, well, you don't want to catch this and you don't want to catch that. And these are the good fish and those are the you know trash fish. But a lot of times when you encounter those fish first, like free of the outside voices and you draw your own conclusions first. And it's like, you start to realize like every, all the fish that you find the most exciting, like also happen to be the ones people talk crap about. Then it's almost like they become your recruiters. They're like, Oh, Oh, that thing's a trash fish. Just like a carp. You're like carp. You say it's like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's like every, you know, at least that's how it happened for me. I was like catching a lot of the same types of fish you're mentioning, not pike. I've never caught a pike. I really want to catch a pike. But I'd like mm -hmm. run in, I'd run across Bofin before I'd ever heard somebody talk about him. So it was like I beat him to the punch. I beat the negative voices to the punch. So when people were start saying all this crappy stuff about him, I well, that's not my experience with him. So then everything that else from there on out, when people said such and such was not a worthy fish, it like made me more interested in going to find out. Cause I'm like, well, that's the same thing you said about Bofin, and you couldn't have been more wrong. So let me just find out for myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, you got to find out about it before you hear like the rap, like if you get into fishing later in life and stuff, or you hear like, uh, just stories passed down and rumors and all that, you know what I mean? Just like the rough fish or trash fish or they're bad for the lake kind of thing or whatever, which I never heard yeah. any of that. And my dad was never like That's that good. also either. So he kind of loved catching anything, uh, also. So that's kind of where I got it from. And then it kind of branched out. And then as I got older, uh, tracking down different stuff. Um, like I said, like catfish and red horse carp, anything you can find in the river. So I got really attached to the river and grew up fishing, uh, the Minnesota river actually. And it's backwaters, uh, like I mentioned for a uh, little bit of everything. So the river is kind of just really attracted me just for like the diverse, uh, species that it held and everything. And I actually have like a picture that I pulled out of like the bowfin that I oh, yeah. caught right here. If you can see this. Uh is that so is that the first one you caught? Yeah, it's the very and first the hook. I caught, and I taped the hook to it right there. <laughs> and uh at the time it was uh I think the Minnesota state record was only like maybe like eight pounds or something. Cause this was in like two thousand, maybe that's like, like a one odd octopus hook isn't it like what size is that yeah oh i think this was like a reason for crappie it was like it's a, even smaller a, yeah it was like a six or a four and yeah i thought it was so cool and i was like i'm gonna save this and tape it to the picture and uh yeah the fish was like 29 inches or something and it was probably around that like maybe seven eight pound range so it was close to like state record uh, at the yeah. time now <laughs> like 10 pounds maybe or something maybe nine i'm not sure Oh, for, right for a kid, that's like the greatest thing ever. I wish I had that. I got some old, old pictures of them, but I, I don't have my first. I do have the, a photo of my very first ever Gar, which is pretty funny. Um, I still have that one. I still have the original copy of that. Same same like you, but but um, that's pretty funny. And the hook, that's that's pretty good. But Yeah, um, I always like to hang on to a little like a memento of like fishing stuff. You know, I mean, you catch like a big fish or your first fish and on yeah. it and you're just you're like a personal best and then you're just like cut your rig off or the lure off and then just like hang it somewhere and you yeah. just kind of look at it and you're just like get a good like you're like all right <laughs> i remember that good times kind of thing 
Uh, and I guess I started doing it when I was younger and I still do it now uh, when I get something good. Yeah, that's fun. I think a lot of anglers do that. You have like these weird superstitions or these weird like attachments to inanimate objects that like they have value after you've like experienced something with them. I get that way with certain hats. Like this one obviously doesn't have much mojo. There's no fish slime on it, but I've got hats, (laughs) hats that are just so decrepit and like in such horrible condition, but I can't bring myself to throw them away because I remember the fish that I caught with them, but like the guy that I had, I had a guy on, I don't know. It was like a couple days ago, this dude named Chris, um, from here in Miami and his room was funny. He kind of panned around with the camera and he had all these like flare hawk jigs, like all over the like ceiling of his room it was like chandeliers of them. And he's like, every single one of those is a hundred pound fish. Cause he goes and catches tarpon, tarpon with him. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. But, um, yeah. So you get sentimental like that with objects. Do you have like a, maybe you alluded to it with the pike, but like, as far as I, I would say Minnesota goes like home waters, do you have like a, a fish that like kind of always brings you back? Like, do you have a favorite? Because looking through your photos, I mean, we're talking gar, bowfin, sturgeon, uh, carp, buffalo, mm-hmm. flatheads, suckers. I mean, you've got a really, really like diverse collection of, fish to your name so but i you know i always like to ask like but what's the one for you like you you gotta have that one that's near and dear to the heart uh i definitely have to say both and just like the story i kind of <laughs> just told in the picture that i showed you that it kind of like uh really sparked my interest for uh just rough fish and undesired and it was just like you know you're a little kid and you just yeah have something big and just the experience of it and it was just like unexpected it like fought hard it was like big for my uh age you know like like a 10 pound fish like this is the biggest thing ever and stuff so it really like got your imagination going and uh yeah so that's kind of been um like it since so i definitely have to say both and for probably overall favorite species and uh minnesota species as well but pike's right up there too because that was my thing that got me kind of like I said, it was like the intro to other fish and then the bowfin kind of sealed the deal. So they were pretty close uh, uh, in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I think the bowfin is such a great like like entry into fishing type of species for a kid that might be, I don't know, kind of interested in being outdoors, but maybe not necessarily interested in picking up a fishing rod. That's I mean, that was me. Like I was just a kid down by the creek kicking rocks and trying to catch snakes. But then mm-hmm. something, something about a bowfin was like, oh my god, because I think it's the reptilian, like just just wild look about them. I don't know. And then obviously they fight hard yeah. and stuff. But it's funny you mentioned that. The one that like really seems to pop out a lot on your page, at least when I was looking at it, is the flatheads. Like you've got a lot of big flatheads. Is that in your home waters, or is that somewhere else? Yeah, that's my home waters here. Um, so I fish like the Minnesota River a lot, and then the Mississippi mm-hmm. River. Uh, at the very like top of Minnesota where it starts basically. So there's like 29 locks and dams on the Mississippi here. And I fish, and then between the locks and dams is the considered the pools. So I fish pool two and three. And oh, okay. pool two is the furthest north like range of flatheads. Um, so above that, there's not any flatheads on the Mississippi. Um, I mean, I've heard of a few stragglers getting through or something, but I wouldn't actively target them there. So I'm fishing like the first pool that has flatheads in it. And then just right a mile down river, that's where the Minnesota dumps in 
uh, to the Mississippi there. So you can go right from there up the Minnesota River and stuff, which is a very well-known uh, Flathead River there. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last maybe like five years or so that I've really gotten into because that's this Minnesota is like yeah. one of their big fish, like apex predator. And that's just kind of what I've uh, gravitated towards um, when I have like my uh, days that I go fishing and can't travel somewhere ideally you know what i mean so like one of my main fish that i actively target yeah that's one i really wish we had down i mean there are some there's some good flathead waters in like northern florida and like the panhandles but like i mean Mm -hmm. any further south they're just gone so that's a species that i miss because they're so awesome like that's one i could devote a lot of time to but i just don't have access to but you know because like you to your point they're like they're like predators i mean they'll pick up i guess you know be opportunistic and take cut chunks, but more so mm-hmm. I know they're more of an active predator, which is just interesting to think of when you think about catfish. Cause you know, most people, they think a channel catfish or a blue catfish that sort of lazily lumber around eating, you know, cut shad, but like the flathead's like a different beast. And I've caught, I've been fortunate enough to catch some pretty nice ones on the Santee Cooper system in South Carolina. But ever since then, I mean, it's been years since I've caught one. It's a trip I want to take. And so I was curious, like the way that you do it, um, I know some people will catch them on lures, but like, what is your approach? I know they're kind of, they can be like a tough one to work with because they're holding the structure, they're in currents. I mean, so like, I don't know if you're gearing up for a day of flathead fishing in your neck of the woods, what are you looking for? Um, ideally like in the springtime, usually when they start in like May, I'm looking for, pretty much current seams because in the springtime with the snow melt and everything rivers are a lot of the time going to be high so i'll kind of go towards those current seams and those slack water areas and kind of like any predator they'll hang out in a slack water area waiting to ambush something and they'll use them as uh kind of like highways to get to their uh spawning ground so they'll be in their like hibernating uh area in the river and then come spring they're going to move back to their um spawning grounds and then into that wood and everything so that's pretty much what i'll actually target is um uh current seams like sandbars uh bends in the river i don't really do a whole lot of like uh like wood fishing then and then once Mm. like kind of like into july then that's kind of when i'll switch to wood and they seem to kind of like hunker down because then they'll actually be spawning then okay and they'll be in those woods and cut banks and everything so I'll do that and then I'll kind of run, um, since we're only allowed one line in Minnesota, which is a shame and there's a whole fiasco going with trying to get two lines and it keeps getting put down and all that. But um, I'll usually run live bait most of the time, uh, a bullhead. And sometimes too early in the spring, I'll do cut bait like uh, creek chubs or some sort of a sucker, freshwater drum. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of... I'll do it sometimes shore, sometimes boat. Um, really depends, I guess, how much time I have, what the water's at, if I'm by myself, if I'm with a friend kind of yeah. thing. But I kind of like doing it a lot from shore. Just, uh, I don't know, something about it. Maybe because you can have a fire, you can just like kick back and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> in a boat, you have to haul it there and unload it. And yeah, you can move to different spots. You probably catch to ratio is up a lot higher in the boat, I'd say. But um, Something about the shore is just kind of uh, convenient and just kind of fun to do. Plus, oh, you can yeah. get to some areas too that are kind of hard to access from boat, or you can kind of 
get in there more um, quietly, I guess, or just kind of stealthily kind of like probe out like a spot. Right. I think that that's funny that, you know, and you're not the only guy that's mentioned it on this podcast, that the use of one rod, like that, that limit to one rod. I'm like, man, that's tough. But I would think that that, you know, as as much as that sucks, like I, I'll use all kinds of rods, but that's got to like force the anglers in Minnesota to get more like adept at like finding the fish. Like if you, when you have to like comb an area, you've got, you can only do it with one rod at a time. So I imagine, especially in recent times when you've done a little bit more travel, it's got to be nice to be able to not be restricted like that, but geez. But, uh, yeah, I always had trouble with the flatheads because of the live bait thing. And the it's like, it's you need live bait, and then you need to fish near structure. And if you use big enough live bait, the live bait gets in the structure. So it's like, that was always my challenge. Like, what is your setup? Are you like up above, like upstream of it, like to where your bait is like uh, above current and you're trying to draw them out? I mean, it's, it's a type of fishing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'll go upriver of it. And then I guess depending how big the snag is, and then after fishing them a certain amount of times, you kind of learn the area a little bit more, where to cast, where to not cast. So I definitely lose a lot of uh, terminal tackle and bait and everything. And my fair share of like casting it straight into the wood pile itself. Yeah. But I guess (laughs) part of the learning curve. And um, yeah, so I usually go upriver of that and then just kind of get it close to the wood, not like straight up in it. Cause a lot of time, like you said, your bait will get in it or the fish will grab it and run right back into it and hang you up. So right on the outer edge and they'll definitely see it or smell it mostly. And uh, they'll come out and um, eat it if they're uh, willing to. Yeah. And then I guess you got, a, you got the battle of trying to pull them against the current away from the snags. They're probably trying to get back into, but gosh, oh, yeah. I, get, I just, definitely I get so jealous. I get so jealous of guys that get to go do that. Um, you know, Josh, who we just mentioned earlier, I'm really jealous of what they do, I guess, in some of the rivers he has, is they'll actually, uh, at certain windows of the year, when they're doing their spawn run or whatever they're doing, uh, he's got these rivers where they can kind of rock hop, like jump from rock to rock to rock, and you can see, like you can visibly see the flatheads, and they're casting these swim baits at them, catching them on lures, I was like, now nah, I've got to go do that. Like, that's one I really want to do. I tried to do it last year, but just didn't get it timed out right and just missed the window. But, but, um, I don't know. It's just a cool fish. Yeah. Yeah. I've never caught one. You know, you do a lot more than just the flatheads, but I think the style of fishing that has become big with the rough fish crew, especially out there in Minnesota, that's like, that's so much different than typical fishing is the sucker fishing. Like, when did you get into that? I think you alluded to maybe Ben kind of introduced you to that, but like that style of fishing, like kind of tell me about, I don't know your, your progression into that world. Cause I've done a little bit of it and it's enough to drive you crazy. Like you'll see the fish, like they're right in front of you, but they're not eating. Like, it's just a, just so different. Yeah. Um, Ben got me into them uh, as we fished like rivers and then it came spring. So big thing in Minnesota too, is just like uh, around pretty much this time of year until like April, there's not much open for fish besides like rough fish and designated bodies of water. So 
uh, kind of introduced me to the red horse and sucker fishing in the spring in the rivers because it provided uh, a lot of action and um, just like early fun in the spring to kind of get ready for summer and uh, different fish seasoning seasons opening up and um, whatnot. So I'm no expert in it. There's people from the rough fish and like Ben that are really good oh, yeah. at it and know exactly what to look for and all that. But I feel like I have a general good sense of like red horse and I've got um, all the like major red horse here besides um, uh, black red horse. That's the only one I don't have and I haven't really tried for one actively. So um, maybe sometime um, not super high up there on the list, but uh, same with like the suckers. I haven't got like a spotted one, which that would be cool. I know a few yeah. <laughs> locations to try for those maybe this spring. And then one that's high up on my list is uh blue sucker. So mm -hmm. I've kind of narrowed down some spots uh, that I might want to try this spring for a blue sucker since that's kind of like the, like Holy grail yeah. of the sucker <laughs> yeah. species. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like the coveted one. That one's funny. It's such a cool looking fish too, but ironically, so I haven't done a lot of, sucker fishing like everywhere i've lived there's not been a lot of different kinds of suckers around i mean you know south carolina has almost well i won't say none just a lot lesser known kinds but i have caught a black red horse and i have caught spotted suckers so it's ironically the ones that you mentioned they're like the only ones i have caught and i caught them both in arkansas yeah, that's really yeah, I caught spotted suckers in southwest Arkansas years ago. Same place that I first caught my first bowfin, actually, ironically, was loaded with them. Um, and then I caught a black red horse. And I didn't even know what it was. I went to roughfish.com or to the Roughfish Facebook page, maybe, to post photos of it to ask them because, you know, those guys are on it. Like, that, like if you have a question about a species and you just need help identifying, like, those guys are so dialed in with it. And I posted it, and they're like, they all like freaked out because it was a black red horse. And I don't know, maybe they're kind of hard to come by, but uh, they're like, where did you catch it? Exact locations. But I was like, it's just in some little ditch Creek down the road from my house. <laughs> yeah. That's the extent of my experience with those. I, I, I mean, and they just, you ain't got them down here in Florida. So it's a world I won't get to be a part of for, for a while, but it's one that interests me because, and you know, another one that I had managed to catch, I'm like the dumb guy that's caught a lot of like really rare stuff by strokes of crazy luck with like the Gulf sturgeon, this, you know, recently that was kind of like the big one. And then, uh, years ago when I was a kid, I caught, uh, uh, river carp suckers. And that is a really tough one. Like I remember in Oklahoma, I had a spot in Oklahoma and like, you could see hundreds of these carp suckers below this little dam like massive schools of them I, and i was just like drifting worms through them it was like bouncing off their heads they was were not eating i'm like what drives these things to feed and then i don't know if i just managed to catch like i'd be sitting there drifting for hours worms past their face with nothing and then managed to get one maybe two to commit but i'm like you talk about it I don't know. That's that's such a weird one because I've seen photos of people holding them with like a lure sticking out of their mouth. So I don't know if you had any experience with the carp suckers, but that's one that'll drive you nuts. Yeah, I haven't caught any um the like you mentioned the river carp suckers, but I have caught uh quillback. Quillbacks, yeah. Like, yeah, so about like four years ago. Um 
I was trying for them like pretty actively in a few creeks by me. And then randomly I caught two like back to back in the spring uh, using like red worms. And it was this kind of like a fluke. I like most people will sight fish them and everything. But yeah. in the springtime, like you mentioned, they're weird. They'll hit lures sometimes. They'll uh, eat like worms or whatever. And I don't know why it's just, they're this hard to catch because they're feeding on like microscopic stuff and algae or teeny bugs, but something about like in the spring, they'll feed on bigger things or something, I guess. So yeah, I, I just lucked into catching like two back to back and that was in like 2017. And those were the uh, last two that I've caught. So I kind of yeah. <laughs> like checked that one off my list and I'm like, all right, we'll leave it at that. And if I happen to catch another one, I will. Yeah. Same with me. I was like 14 when I caught them and now I'm 36 now. So I was like, well, you know, I may go to my grave before I ever catch another one of those. So that's the same thing. I was, yeah. wrote that off. Got a couple of pictures of me, tiny little me floating around holding them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess the one that is probably real interesting to me where I, I guess it's in Minnesota is those is the uh, the lake sturgeon. That's one I really want to like. I will travel to go do that. I'm just I might at that stage where I'm trying to figure out, well, where am I going to go? Because it's like there's different areas that seem really good but the lake sturgeon's like high on my list like it's one like the kind of like those the ones of of greater interest than most at least as far as north america goes um i want to get one through the ice i don't know why i make it like maybe that's harder maybe that's easier but i'm like this florida boy and i like i want to have an ice fishing experience but i really want to pull a sturgeon through a hole in the ice for some reason but tell me about your experience with those lake sturgeon. That's a cool one. Yeah, I do enjoy lake sturgeon. They're uh, pretty abundant here in Minnesota in a few different ri rivers. And um, usually you uh, go out and you catch a few, I guess. So they're not like super rare or anything to catch like, like a monster one is harder. Yeah. But a lot of the time you go out and be like, oh, I'm going to catch like uh like five of them you're like okay it was a it was an okay night or whatever and then anything else like flatheads you go you catch five or even one you're like oh man that was a great night kind of thing so they are yeah. a little <laughs> bit more abundant and everything but i like the the fight and everything too so it's something i kind of got used to i guess so i don't really actively target them a whole lot um i guess like i said they're more common and i've kind of experienced it and then it's kind of like um kind of left at that so i will a few times a year <laughs> i definitely don't do it nice because people will sit there for hours and hours just staring at their bobber and their hole yeah and i don't like go out so much and for like a season they'll catch maybe like one maybe like if three if they're lucky something like that so i have caught a few through ice but it's not really my cup of tea i like to stay kind of actively ice fishing for like crappie and pike and getting on fish um just it's just a whole different type of thing to do this sturgeon through the ice yeah yeah that's what, what what do you get them on like what are they eating worms um through the ice or through the e or either i mean do they, do they pretty much pick up a cut, cut chunk of bait or is it mostly just worms yeah. with them i mean yeah, a lot of people do um, worms on a circle hook or uh, shad 
uh, on okay. a circle hook too, and then you just kind of line it and then just either watch your rod tip really carefully or put like a bell on it. And then you just look for the most like subtle rod quiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for ice fishing, I think it's mostly uh, worms and then uh, like some minnows on there, like a little combo. And then you kind of drop it right to the bottom and then you put the bobber at exactly when like your sinker touches the bottom. So it's standing straight up. And then oh, you do okay. the same thing, look for your bobber barely to twitch. Or some people put it on the side or like even outside of the hole and wait for the sturgeon to pick it up and your bobber will actually fall into the hole. So it's like a little huh. uh, like hair trigger system yeah. like that but um yeah i do it more but it's it's about an hour from me and then in the winter time too i want to catch fish <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things where it's like you take all the time hour there hour back who knows maybe four or five hours fishing and you're just, uh kind of hoping for the best which something awesome could happen there but i'll just wait for uh uh open water to roll around for them yeah, it's no fun to drive that far and then just blank, especially if it's for a fish that's not all that, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe you don't find it to be all that special. But um, it's weird, like, uh, that a fish that gets that big, because they get big, but it seems like the characteristic trait of most sturgeon is that subtle little small bite. It's kind of funny how that works. Even, like, apparently the big white sturgeon is the same way. It's just, like, barely... Even the Gulf sturgeon that I got lucky with, uh, I didn't even think it, uh, that I had a bite. I just looked over and the rod was kind of like down a little bit. I thought I was like mm-hmm. snagged on something. I was doing like a check. I was going to like just do a bait check and then all of a sudden it started pulling back. I was like, oh, hell. But that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Like the Gulf sturgeon is super sweet and nice on it. And I was like, no way. I was just, I was just, especially like you get in like a river too. I was just dumb luck. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was a cool one. That'll be a hard one for me to top, but, but, um, so I, you know, I was, I see this, the kind of like poster over your shoulder, um, of the different fish of Minnesota. How many of those species have you managed to knock off? You got just about all of them. Um, yeah, pretty close. I think the <laughs> only ones I'm really missing are, um, coho salmon, mm. uh, what else is it? Let's take a look. See, I thought I'd seen photos of you with a coho. Or is that a different um, state? No, I caught a uh, pink salmon and Chinook salmon. I haven't caught a coho. Okay. Uh, lake whitefish, black red horse, blue sucker. There's like a bunch on the poster that, um, or ones that aren't on the poster, but. I'd say a good majority of like the standard side species, like not micro or anything like that, I have caught. Um, but yeah, there's still a few hanging around. I still haven't got a lake trout. Um, never tried for those. Mm. Those are pretty far north, uh, Minnesota, almost like in um, Canada and stuff, or pretty much Lake Superior. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. traveling to like the boundary waters and everything like that. Well, it seems like lately you've been a little more interested in getting out of the state boundaries and like, like, especially this last, I don't know, year or two that I've been watching your stuff, you're doing a lot more of the traveling. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I have all the faith you'll end up catching those Minnesota fish, but it seems like you're occupying your time with other stuff. So 
I guess, namely, the more one of the more recent ones that I saw was your trip down to Texas. What was, you know, and I saw that you knocked off the alligator gar and then you did a little bit of a buffalo fishing. But what, what I mean, what was the nature of that trip? I mean, you were kind of far from home. What were yeah, like the targets? Um, I mean, where all did you go? Um, let's see. Yeah. So alligator gar, that one was up on my species list. Like it was like top of the top for me. It's like apex predator, big, mean, like it doesn't get pretty much any better than that. Mm -hmm. So that was way up there. And I was like, man, I just got to do it, which I've taken like some fishing trips and stuff, but I usually stay around like Midwest and everything. And then, um, kind of did like a wing it trip and went down there and it was like right in 2022 so when like shit hit the fan i was yeah. like uh like you kind of think about it and you're just like man like i just gotta get out and do like the stuff i really want to do because you keep like you put it off and you're like oh i'll eventually get to it like you just got to do it now yeah and um so that's kind of what it was went down there um and just like absolutely like fell in love with texas like the fish and like the weather and the food and, yeah, <laughs> and the um, saltwater fishing. So I got like the whole Texas experience, and like it was just so awesome. And I was down there for like two weeks, and I've in the last two years I've been down there like three or four times. Yeah, and I've had people like I run into them, and they're like, "I thought you moved to Texas." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm like, no, not not yet. I hope maybe someday, but um. Yeah, I absolutely love Texas. And the saltwater fishing was just kind of like a breath of fresh air compared to like Minnesota. Cause you know what I mean? Like, um, probably what you did too growing up in like uh, South Carolina, where you just fish for everything. And then it kind of like hits almost a dead end where it's still fun, but you just like you want something new and you want like a new experience and like a learning curve for different stuff. So that's what the saltwater did for me. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is so new. This tides and the lures and rigs and like down there first time I was using like braided and like braided uh a leader and everything and I was getting broke off like the smallest stuff and that's when I was like okay I gotta switch and use fluorocarbon and everything with like the spider weights and I brought like catfish weights down there and um <laughs> yeah just learning that kind of stuff was awesome so that's kind of progressed into my trips lately is the uh, saltwater stuff um doing for like big stuff sharks and then um learning a lot about that like surf casting and um even fishing like piers just for the smaller fish mm-hmm. that have kind of um got into that are really cool like uh like pompano um like those inshore lizard fish uh remoras the ones that like stick to the bottom sides of sharks and stuff yeah. you know <laughs> oh you yeah, caught those so on of- on hook and line that's pretty interesting I've never tried that one. Yeah. I, I just pull them off the sides of the sharks that you bring in. So, <laughs> but that's yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, so, so two weeks. Yeah. That trip always fascinates me because like Texas has had that same impression on me. It's like, it's weird because you wouldn't really think it because I don't know, it's sort of like a rustic type of place, but there's something about the fishing down there that like really like is. I don't know. It's like it has such an impression on you. I you know, I guess the fact that the fish get so massive doesn't hurt. It certainly helps. 
but you managed to get the alligator gar. And then I know you spent some time with Austin. Was that all part of the plan or was that just kind of like a wing it on the middle of, you know, just jump out there out of nowhere or had you been in communication with him? Um, yeah. So kind of like a wing it. I got, I was like, I'm going to go down there, do the alligator gar. And then just, or my first trip down there was uh, designated, go down there, fish for alligator gar, do a little surf fishing. And that was kind of like my intro to Texas. And yeah. then my second time, uh, maybe it was my third time. I think it was my third time. It was just about a year ago to this time now in yeah. um, March, March, April, something like that. And I'm going to do like a full tour, like two week Texas trip. I'm going to go down, uh, target alligator gar again. And then I went from basically uh, southern Texas, did like surf fishing, shark, went up a little bit, uh, alligator gar on the Trinity River, and then went up um, north and then met up with Austin and then did uh, carp fishing and buffalo fishing um, on a reservoir up there. So I did a little in between everything on uh, Texas and got the whole experience. Yeah, that's cool. I think you were there like not long after me and Josh had gone there. Um, that's one I had wanted to, I'd, I'd been to, I've lived in Texas. I've lived in three different cities in Texas, lived in several different cities in Oklahoma and then right near there in Arkansas. So I've always been in that area, but I'd never done that stuff. I'd been watching Austin for years, catching those giant Buffalo. So finally got to go do that. But that was a fun one. That was an interest. That was, that was different, but, but that was a lot of fun. So when I saw you did it, it was like fresh in my mind. Cause like we had just got done doing it. So I was like, oh man. Joe's down there with Austin. They're probably going to catch something crazy. But um, yeah, you got that big black yeah. buffalo. That was awesome. So that was that yeah, was a cool one. That was yeah, that's probably one of my highlight fish that I've caught is the black buffalo. Cause we originally went down to try, I think, in the same reservoir that you guys did for smallmouth buffalo. And the wind was like 20, 30 mile an hour, like consistent. And it was just not working. I caught like one carp in the morning and then we switched yeah. to a smaller reservoir, like protected kind of by a bridge. And he's like, yeah, there's some bubble here and carp. And we got on some good carp, like 20 pounds or so, a few of those. And then um, caught like three buffalo in a row. And it wasn't until like I caught them and I realized they were black buffalo that he's talking about there. And he's like, there's no smallmouth here. So that was even better because I don't have that for my life list yet. Mm -hmm. So that was a new species. I, mean, I caught like an 18 pound one. Then like an hour later, I caught um, like a 22 pound one. And then like we were packing up our gear and then one rod just went screaming out, grabbed that one. And that one ended up being um, a 34 pound black buffalo, which yeah. is just like mind blowing because like Minnesota, they're so hard to catch here. I only know a few being caught. And the state record, I think is only like 20 pounds. So it just like absolutely is like, yeah <laughs> this size down there is just, uh amazing and i think austin said too that was uh the biggest black buffalo that he's ever personally seen also so that was like a huge highlight like moment like banger fish to end my trip on yeah and i was just kind of like sitting on cloud nine for a while like i got home and i was like i don't even need to fish i'm just like <laughs> just still on the high from uh, catching yeah. that buffalo and just like reminiscing on my trip to like take it all in and like process what actually just like happened because like that's kind of like the thrill of it for me is just like putting something together and then just watching it uh happen and i mean it's like you're not doing it for anyone else or like uh 
anything like that. It's just like something like inside you that just drives you to want to do it and just like meet those goals and um, just experience it, I guess. So it's kind of like um, just intertwined that you just grow up with that, that it's just like in you to like go out and uh, kind of pursue that um, fish in that way. Yeah. Cause that's kind of like where I, I don't know. That's, that's where the curiosity comes in with me is like, you're making a lot of these trips seemingly alone, at least as far as like, maybe if somebody else is with you, but like you seem to be the only angler involved, like you're going alone. And I know like a lot of people want to do these types of things, but it's like, you know, it's, it's weird to just like gamble on your fortune, but like, I don't know, like what is like, when you're thinking of like, and I know you're, you're doing Florida soon and you've done Florida in the past, but like, what is like your process for researching? Like what the like game plan is like laying out, like what the agenda is. Are you flying in and renting a car? Are these like road trips where you're driving the entire length of the whole thing? Um, do you know ahead of time, like what your plan is, how much money this is all going to cost? Or do you pretty much just wake up and say, next weekend, I'm going to drive that direction and we'll see what happens. All I know is I got to be back by this day. Because <laughs> people want to know. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's not quite that simple where I'm like, okay, I'm going next week. Usually I'll plan it yeah. like, uh, <laughs> months in advance. Um, they're always road trips. I never really fly in, like to bring in all my gear. And then the, yeah. just plane tickets are expensive. And you can't bring as much gear as you want, like food. I'll bring down coolers. So I honestly do a lot of like, uh, like a budget basically. So I'll do a lot of like camp on the way down, and um, we'll stop at like uh, Airbnb. Like you can find some really affordable ones for like a hundred bucks for like a little uh, like house kind of thing. Yeah. Stop and do that. Um, yeah, and then you can have all the gear you want. Bring it down there. You want to rent a car, drive to all your spots, and do that. So I'll kind of map uh, that out. And usually when, when I do go on the trips, my uh, girlfriend will come with me. So she's awesome about that too. So she loves doing road trips also. She likes yeah. outdoors. She fits a little bit when we do it and stuff like that. Um, but um, she just likes being outside and doing the whole uh, road trip uh vacation experience also right. and then i'll just fish and she, she reads her book and stuff like that or just kind of uh tans in the sun and then i'll catch a fish and she'll take my picture basically <laughs> it's good to have your own designated so, photographer there yeah <laughs> That's yeah funny. exactly so yeah so i'm really appreciative that she does that stuff with me um but yeah so i'll plan out uh kind of when where and then have a specific goal in mind um to do that and then just like research it completely of like areas it's found like lures tactics everything like that get like necessary gear i need and then um kind of some other uh possible species that i'll be wanting to target down there also so my upcoming florida trip here is Hopefully it's going to be for Goliath grouper and then some more uh, sharks from the surf. But then I got a lot of uh, other like freshwater species that I want to be trying there. So like fishing the canals for like the peacock bass, the clown knife fish, yeah. uh, snake 
Snakehead, which Snakehead's been like way up there for me for a while too. Even though they're so common down by you, it's just like so far away from me that I've just heard about them and like seen stuff on TV. And I just remember like early 2000s when they came down to Florida and like the mayhem behind them. And yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> hearing about it and seeing a movie come out of them like walking on shore and like attacking dogs and everything so it's got like (laughs) some folklore you know what i mean so it's got like some folklore (laughs) behind it It really intrigued me in my curiosity so that's um another one so i got a lot of the florida exotics and i've just been mapping out a bunch of uh spots potentially for some canals and i'll kind of go from where i'm staying and then look at the waters around me um and i'll choose that specific location so i'll be staying kind of by um uh boca raton everything so kind of in the heart of all that yeah and then i'll kind of pick out some canals and everything and lucky enough i'm friends with a few people on facebook um that live in florida and know some stuff too like you and um uh hopefully uh kind of pick their brains and figure out some uh uh spots and tactics and everything like that to go after these exotics because i don't like it getting like handed to me but i'll be like like maybe uh if they want to share like a canal or a specific area they like to try and then kind of go from there so i've kind of been piling up some stuff here the last month for my trip from i just got boxing from like tackle direct for tying up like shark rigs i got like another rod in the mail and then i got um some other lures for snakehead and peacocks some like topwater frogs and all that so i'm kind of prepping like months in advance for a lot of this stuff and uh yeah definitely take a lot of time and planning and um dedication that goes into it but it's definitely doable for the average like oh, diy yeah. tripper and that's that's what i think is like the fun part about it is just uh making your diy trip having one thing in mind and then kind of going with the flow and then stuff usually clicks. So if you don't get your main thing, you'll usually get some more species and stuff too. And uh, just the overall experience even. So it's kind of seeing a different part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I, like South Florida, especially on the east side, like Miami type of area, it's like the ultimate, like, I don't know, urban fishing scene. Like, uh, like throughout the country, it's like, man, like the shore-based fishing, if you really want to just, run and gun hop out do some fishing jump back in the car drive down the road hop out fish it's like the ultimate place i had so much fun when i first moved down here doing that like i was just going out like 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 every single weekend going after it but it's also like to your point it's a it's a weird one because i have a lot of guys that will do similar trips and they'll reach out to me for information it's like you don't want to be the guy that just says oh yeah they're just they're everywhere you know, because like it's such generic information. It's like, well, that ain't helping anybody. They're everywhere. Like, you don't want to be the one that gives crappy advice, but like with some of those fish, like the peacock bass, it's like that's almost like as much like information as you can give to people because they really are like you've already been down here, right? Like you've have you already done have you already done that trip? Um for, for the peacock stuff. Miami. Yeah. Yeah, have you have you done that no, one? No, I haven't done that yet. Okay. Well, yeah, and and no, you know, I that one. I I think we'll try to link up. Probably, I think you and I will probably try to link up anyway. When you're down here, I, I imagine I can get away for 
for some of it. Uh, I'd be happy to help you find some of them, but you'll, you will find that even if I, even, you know, during the time that you're by yourself, especially with peacock bass, they're pretty easy to find. Um, and, and I mean, I can send you areas to go look, but the snakeheads, they're also semi easy. It's they're They're a little bit more specific with like the region that they're in. And then the clown knife fish is one of those real, like, that's a weird one. They're in a very particular area, but they're very like hit or miss. Like it's kind of one of those ones. that's like very hard to pattern. Like you'll, you'll see them <clears throat> rolling and stuff like a gar or like a tarpon. And then like, they just won't eat. They just refuse to eat no matter what you put. And then like other times they aren't really rolling or moving that much, but you're getting them like crazy. It's like, well, what changed? It'd be, it'd be like the next day. And then the, one day they're super active one day. They're not, but that's a fun one. When, when you're down here, I imagine we could, uh, we could probably link up, but yeah, that's, that's a fun one. That's a trip to like everybody who's kind of like intrepid in their style of just always wanting to be on the move and try new things. Like everybody's got to do the little tour of South Florida exotics. Cause that's a fun one. And realistically, if you really like lay out a good game plan, you can knock out all of those fish the same day. I mean, you can just, you can get it. I think the first time Josh uh, Dolan came down, we like caught like tarpon, snook, peacock bass, grass carp, Mayan cichlids, and like snakeheads and mate, uh, like all in the same day, in one day. Like we almost got the clown knife done and then maybe we pulled it off like the next day. But so like if you're really running and gunning, I mean you catch the fish you want and jump in the car and go to the next one, you could pull that off. But but it's uh yeah, that's a fun one. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely the clown knife fish I've seen that are uh notoriously hard to catch on lures. Is that correct? Lures, yeah. The lures, I've never done it. And I am very skeptical of some of the photos. You know, you gotta be I don't know, like the South Florida like Instagram scene. Take it all with a grain yeah. of salt. You know what I mean? Like when the lure is like perfectly presented on the side of their face in the photo and like people put like hashtag savage gear. It's like, uh, I don't know if I trust you. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you trying to do? But, um, yeah, de they definitely can be. I mean, obviously it's a predatory fish, but it's, it is a really ear, even with live bait, it can be a really weird one. They're just a tough, they're a tough one. Well, I'll say this though. When like the sun is high, if it's like a bluebird sky middle of the day, it's it's really hard. Like they need low light conditions. So early morning, late, late, like like into the evening as sun going down, or especially overcast. Or if the sun's high, just go fish under bridges. Excuse me. They like shade. Yeah. They're they're a weird one. But anyway. Yeah, that's that's a cool one. We'll have to link up when you do yeah, that. But I guess the next thing, oh, though, yeah. when I see how much you're like moving around and doing some traveling, is there anything else on your agenda? Like, what else is looming for you? you got anything else in your mind? It's like like outside of the boundaries of things you've done already. I don't want to necessarily go so far as to say bucket list, like leaving the country, but like things within reach, things that you can get into your vehicle and drive and go do. Is there any other ones that are sort of on the radar that aren't necessarily a too far into the distant future. Um, I mean, it was like, or you know, like, hang on a minute, it's cutting out like crazy. Try it again. 
Uh, yeah. about uh, like bucket list trips or um, just fish that I'd like to catch like around me, like Midwest. Not even necessarily Midwest, but like within the United States that you could literally get into your car and drive to go do. Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, like I just mentioned, the Florida trip with Goliath Rupert, that's way up there, and that's been on top of the list for a long time since I've seen the kids. They look like a big smallmouth, and yeah. <laughs> just their uh, size and demeanor is uh, just intriguing to me. So that's uh, why I'd want to do that. And then, like you said before, the white sturgeon haven't experienced that, so that's up there too. But I'm kind of always stuck. Seems like I'm going south all the time, just because yeah. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of the states. And I'm north, that's south. It's warm, and uh, I don't know. I just keep making trips down there and kind of postponing this white sturgeon trip. But kinda. eventually, <laughs> I uh, hope to do that sometime. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like it's like it's that's sort of like in that same category as alligator guard. It's like those high mantle, like mega North American species that you like you gotta knock off. But you know, you mentioned the snakeheads earlier, the bullseye snakeheads. There was I feel like there was a little hysteria around them when that all happened, because it happened at the same time. It was like the bullseyes really started showing up at the same time that the northern snakeheads were showing up further up north. But down in Florida, it's like just par for the course and some weird animal gets out and gets on the loose and just becomes part of the environment. Like people don't really freak out about it. It's like, well, that's to be expected. We got monkeys outside Silver Springs living in the wild. You got chameleons and iguanas and all kinds of crazy stuff down here. And the bullseyes, I don't know, people, I feel like people down here like are quicker to accept those things when they come. Not that that's a good thing. Like, you don't want invasive species. I don't throw that out there. Like I don't condone the spread of invasive species, but when they're here, they're here. But um, I'll say the the northern snakehead, that's one. Have you done that one yet, the northern snakehead? No, I haven't. That one I'd love to do also. Um, that's, a, that's a really, really cool one. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's one I yeah. throw my two cents in there, like a suggestion. It's a, it's a pretty easy DIY. You kind of need a boat. You kind of need watercraft. It might be harder to pull off from the bank, but uh, that's a really cool one. That's 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 one you got to do. And I know a lot of guys that do that. Josh, I mean, Josh took me to go do it to get my first one. Um, their area is really neat. It's so much different than the bullseyes. I, I guess probably mostly because like the terrain you're fishing just feels so pristine and wild. It's much more like hunting, but um, and they're just so cool looking. But that's one. That's one you got to add to the list. I feel like that's a low hanging fruit. I think that's an easy one, you know, but that's yeah. a cool one. That scene yeah, is, that scene is growing like fast. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, um, this is like, they're so common like that, like in South Florida or anything like that. But it's like, when you live across the country to you, you're yeah. just like, Oh man, that looks awesome. And especially it's so, uh, this looks so fun because that's my style of fishing, like running gun and like I'd love to just drive around, like hopping around in different canals. Yeah. <laughs> I like lure fish, just casting and then having the opportunity to land like um, just an unlimited amount of new fish to you that are just not found anywhere else. 
So like in Minnesota here, it's like our exotics kind of are basically common carp and uh, goldfish and anything yeah. else that is recent dies by the time it's fall. And then once there's 30 inches of ice on the lakes, uh, they're dead and the remaining fish <laughs> that yeah. are from here stay. Yeah, it, that's the crazy but, yeah. thing. That, and down here, it's like every other cast could be something different. So that's... That's funny. How how long are you planning to be down here for? Like two weeks again? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be down there for, for two weeks this time. So I'm going to go just basically drive as far as I can. Hopefully stop probably around uh, Georgia or Tennessee. That's about mm. like 18, 20 hours. And Jeez. then travel travel the rest down to Miami. But I've kind of gotten really uh, used to the driving aspect Um just far distance it's fun to see in the country and stuff and mm-hmm. making pit stops along the road um and then uh fishing along the way you know what i mean so that's kind of part of the experience with it all yeah big time i'm i'm flying to idaho that's too far i'm worried about vehicle trouble so probably fly in there and maybe rent a car we'll we'll, we'll see what's going to go down with that one but but uh, yeah, dude, we'll have to keep in touch with the Florida thing. I'll try to I'll try to block off some time, and we'll meet up for whatever you want to chase. I know you mentioned Bowfin. I mean i I can take you to some spots that have some some giant ones. We may not catch very many, but like I got some areas where there's some some big, just gnarly, just nasty looking ones. Just be whatever you want to whatever yeah, you want to try. But um, I don't know so much about. That species, I don't know so much about finding the bowfin over like closer to Miami. That's like, there's sort of like not as many of them over there. Well, I mean, they're over there, but in like the canals of Miami, they're it's few and far between with them. And then there's a little bit smaller over there. But, but anyway, uh, that's interesting. I love to know like guys that are moving and traveling and doing things. I always like want to know like what you're planning on doing next. I think the fact that you do it like, largely alone or it's just you and your girlfriend or you're just kind of road tripping it laying out the game plan and just blocking off the time and making it happen like i want to see more guys doing that you know what i mean it's always fun to kind of like appreciate and like your home waters and like stay loyal to your home waters but at some point i don't know you get called to do more so i love watching your stuff because you're always doing something different like i said from the ice fishing to the beach fishing, like everything in between. I'm like, man, this dude is, this dude's out there getting after it. So I love watching that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to know what's coming next, but, uh, but anyway, I know we're coming close to our six thirty time. Cause then I got to go do homework with my kids. <laughs> That's fun. But, uh, so I don't know. I, I guess I usually, I usually like in like, I don't know. I mean, people, I don't I don't think you're one of those real big social media guys, but you know, people will want to who want to see this kind of stuff. Do, are you on Instagram? Are you doing the Instagram thing or did you sort of back off of that? It looks like maybe. Um, yeah, I I posted just like Instagram for a while, but I kind of just was like uh whatever, like I don't know these people kind yeah. of thing and I've kind of just stuck to um Facebook, since those are my friends and family, you know, so I'll kind of just post it to share my catches with them because those are the people like interested the most. So you can link my Facebook if you'd want to do that. People want to add sure. me. And then I recently did TikTok too, which is a funny story because I had oh, this like okay. random snippet video 
from like uh you know if you're fishing you have a video of like a release or just some random stuff sometimes that you take on your phone and i was like i have so many videos and i was kind of like anti-tiktok i thought it was just like <laughs> meaningless kind of you know what i mean like just yeah. like videos like your attention spans like a second you're like next video next video so i i don't really scroll a lot on there but i'll just kind of throw some videos together and post and somehow i gained like traction really quick and like my first few months i got like ten thousand followers and then since then i've gotten like another like 12 13 000, so i'm sitting at like 22 23 thousand followers and some of the videos that have taken off are just crazy like i did one on how to um tie a knotless knot for like catfishing and it got like <laughs> three million views and i was what just like yeah. what this is crazy yeah so then <laughs> and then they gave me the opportunity to do like creator fund once i hit ten thousand followers so um just posted videos i've actually like made money on some um of those random videos oh, that's like pretty cool that. so like yeah, so I can send you my TikTok link and then I'll go through Facebook yeah. where I'll post some uh, and then I'll kind of not post them. And lately, since it's winter here and I don't really record anything when I'm ice fishing because it's cold and I don't want to take my gloves off, I don't really yeah. post too much <laughs> like that. But I'm guessing that spring, I'll probably um, start posting more um, frequently. So you can post a link to that too also I can send you. Sure. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I, I don't have TikTok quite yet. I'm like, I just like, oh, I don't want to have another thing to have to like maintain, but you, know, you never say never. But I've heard the same thing and I've seen the same thing. Like, the most random stuff will sometimes take off and like get massive views. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to crack the code, but who knows? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't even, honestly, I was the same way with Instagram at first. I'm like, I ain't doing that crap. But then it got to a point where like, I wanted to like, keep like, you know, I just it basically like a, an online photo album. Cause I got the, well, that's where I'll designate all my fishing stuff. And then Facebook can be more only people that I know. And granted, I got a bunch of people that I don't even know on there. Always random fishermen yeah. friend, friend request me. I'm like at that point where I, am I going to have to start like just telling people no, but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Yeah. You'll have to send me that link and I'll, and I'll, and I'll throw it up there. But, and then, um, and then, you know, obviously off, off sidebar, when we jump off of here, we'll, we'll stay in touch about your Florida plans. We'll try to link up. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Um, so I think we can make it happen. If you're in my neck of the woods, I'll find time to come over there and link up, even if All it's, right. for, even if it's only for one day, but you know, we might be able to pull off a weekend or something. You'll just have to let me know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause like, I'll be on that side too. I'll be by the, uh, Boca Grande and the Englewood area too. Yeah. So I'll be going to Miami and then doing a little loop back around there. So I'm down for Bowfin or even some of those like, uh, smaller, like freshwater tarpon. Cause those things look awesome. You uh, get yeah. the, um, mangroves there, right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you that uh, wild. That's that's on the Terramiami Trail. You you got to be careful down there. You you'll find yourself getting, you'll find yourself there the whole trip because you'll have so much fun on that freaking road before you realize you've blown the whole amount of time you have just fishing there. But uh, you got to have a little bit of discipline to pull yourself away mm -hmm. from that place. That that's a fun spot if you're gonna loop down and go across the Terramiami Trail. I wouldn't go across I-75. There's some fishing there, but like if you want to have a lot of fun, go further south, cross 41. The roadside fishing there is so much fun. But yeah, we can do a lot of that stuff. I live in Naples, so you'll be you'll be passing through where I'm at anyway. But but anyway, dude, I'm gonna let you hop off here. I gotta go take care of the kiddos' homework and 
things, fun stuff like that, and we'll have to stay in touch. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Boundless Pursuit. Tune in each week as we bring stories and insight from uniquely talented anglers and outdoorsmen. And if you enjoyed this show, I want to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review as this is going to drive the growth and exposure of this show. And if you have feedback or guest suggestions, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com. For all other collections of media and contact information, please visit www.boundless-pursuit.com.